that God has called us together as a family to grow. And not just to grow numerically, although that certainly is part of it, but to grow as a family, to grow up, to grow in, and to grow out. To grow up in the sense that he is calling us to become more focused on him, become more caught up with him, that we might worship him more freely and enjoy his presence more deeply and live in all that he has for us and allow him to break into our lives and our gatherings and do whatever he wants, however he wants, whenever he wants. To grow up also in the sense that we put away childish things. That we learn what it is even more to function as a family that can talk and listen and relate to each other well. That we are adult and mature in our expectations of one another. In our commitment to one another. In our understanding of one another. That we don't throw tantrums or throw our toys out of a pram if we don't get what we want, but instead we listen. All of us could do with a bit of that kind of growing up, couldn't we? Or did your family never have any tantrums? <coughs> to grow in. To become more aware of the kind of people that God has made us. And to root ourselves in a better story. To allow his grace and his love and his mercy to have their way in our lives, to let him deal with those things that have lay for a long time in our hearts and in our souls. As I've been praying for this church family over Christmas, I've been praying on a number of occasions for folk who feel as if the habits that they have formed, the paths that they carry are unbreakable. That you can't change. You, you, you almost feel as if you're trapped and that God loves you, but not as much as he might love the person beside you, because in your mind, they're better than you. This year, I want us to explore what it is to allow grace to grow in our souls, freedom to grow in our hearts, liberty to grow in our understanding of ourselves, to begin to know what it is to be even more fully loved than you ever thought possible, and to grow out not just to witness or see what we do as a gathered community, as our acts of mission and worship, but to see everything we are, every moment that we spend, every second of every day, as an opportunity to demonstrate the grace and the mercy of God. For you to be the best neighbor that you can be, the best businesswoman or businessman, the best doctor or nurse or chaplain or footballer, two of the guys here, I hear did a pretty good job yesterday playing for Queens. One of them scored the winning goal. Where is he? Did you score the winning goal? I saw that on Facebook. Well done, Jonah. And then somebody said that you were trying to get to see you very quickly. Is that true? No, I didn't think so. To grow out, to see everything we are and everything we do is an act of worship. Everything that we are part of as a, as a context in which our, our lives can demonstrate the grace of God. And I want to reflect with you this morning on a couple of passages of the New Testament that might help us to think about where growth might be required in your life. It wasn't by mistake or just to fill time that I asked you earlier to um, think about 2019. 
I want you to think about it again in a moment. Would you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 3, please? I want to read to you two small prayers written or spoken by the Apostle Paul and written down by his secretary, sent to the believers in Ephesus, modern-day Turkey. The first is in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 through to verse 22, 3. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, and for this reason I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance amongst the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe? According to the working of his great power. God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named. Not only in this age but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now turn to Ephesians chapter 3, please. Verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him, who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. God always blesses the public reading of his inspired and his infallible word. The Apostle Paul was a remarkable prayer If you ever want to know how to pray for people, read some of Paul's prayers for those that he had responsibility for. In Ephesians 1 and 3, like I've just read, or Colossians chapter 1, or in Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 to 6, he's sometimes seen as a rather harsh man. I don't think he was. I think he was a passionate man who had a deep desire that those that he led, those that he was responsible for, grew in two different ways. First of all, that they grew in their knowledge of God. And secondly, but not less importantly, like the other side of the coin, they grew in their experience and encounter with God. You captured those two powerful desires for growth in Paul's two prayers in Ephesians chapter 1. That they might know more of who God is, is caught in Ephesians chapter 1 in that first prayer. That you might know the height and the breadth and the length and the depth of his love. And that they might grow in their encounter with God is captured in that second prayer in Ephesians chapter 3. 
What good is all the knowledge in the world of who God is if it doesn't move us toward him? What point is growth if it's everyone else that grows, but you don't? A healthy church is not a church which is Bible literate, but Holy Spirit fearful. A healthy church is a church that knows God's written word and experiences God's living word. A church that pursues his purposes and his plans and his power for their lives, not just by reading, but by encountering God. There are many churches across Northern Ireland that have created um, a false God out of the Bible. We read this book, we don't worship it. We worship the God who gave us this book. We worship the God who speaks to us through this book. We worship the God who liberates us through this book. You hear me every time I read it publicly saying we thank God for his inspired and his infallible word. I'm old-fashioned in my theology when it comes to the Bible. I believe it to be the inspired and inerrant and infallible word of God as originally given. That it contains no errors of doctrine or truth. And that it has, it has all that is required to lead us in the ways of righteousness and holiness and, per, and obedience to God. But we don't worship this book. We worship the God who gave us this book. And this year in 2020, as we step in to a new decade, it is my deep prayer for us as a church that we will come to know this book more, but that we will come to know the God of this book even more. That we will fall in love with him all over again. That his grace and his mercy and his compassion will transform us. Let me ask you something. Not to share. When was the last time you discovered something about God for the first time? Is there anything left to discover about God? I hope so. When was the last time you picked up your Bible and as you read it, Something inside you danced. Your soul wanted to shout because you saw something. Maybe his mercy or his grace or his compassion. When was the last time God surprised you? That he illuminated something in your heart and soul that made you just want to say, wow. I pray that 2020 is full of why moments for you. That you discover more of who God is as you read this book. That those areas of our lives that we have become perhaps a little familiar with, grace, mercy, forgiveness, compassion, kindness, that the familiarity is rubbed off and we behave with them like children again. If I was to draw a scale behind me of um, cynicism and skepticism on one side and expectation and excitement on the other about God, about faith, honestly, where would you place yourself? Again, not to be shared. Are you over here, the skeptic, 
the cynic? Or are you over here? Expectant, excited, passionate? Or are you somewhere in the middle? My prayer is that all of us will move along this scale in that direction. That we will all take a step toward expectation. A step toward excitement. A step toward something fresh and new and living being spoken into our souls. And that we will step away from cynicism. We'll step away from criticism. We'll step away from um, standing in judgments and toward the possible. Toward what God might want to say in us and do through us. I wonder in your life and in mine where God might need to dust away the cobwebs slightly and enable us to see something of his grace and his mercy again in a new way in 2020. Maybe you've been involved in ministry for a while, not just here in a church setting like Dundonald, but where you work is your ministry. Bringing up your kids is a ministry. Being a good aunt or an uncle or a grandparent or a carer. Delivering parcels. Working in the hospital. Wherever you are, that's what I'm talking about. Maybe you've been doing it so long that it's just a bit kind of jaded. It's lost its shimmer. Well, my prayer is that you will grow in a kind of deeper understanding of who God is toward you this year. That you might encounter him more deeply this year. How do you do that? I wonder if sometimes what we need is a space to give our disappointments to God. To name them. Maybe 2019 didn't turn out as you expected. Maybe the last decade has been a mare for you. And you need a space. You need a church, a community, where you, it's okay not to be okay. Where it's okay to say, do you know what, I'm, I'm heartbroken, but I'm here. My life is full of questions, but I'm present. To be present in this community is not simply to be physically here, but to be attentive to one another, to see and to notice one another. As I go into 2020, I have great hope and expectation for our church for this year. I've also got some disappointment. I'm disappointed that um, people like Alison Gibson have had such a rough year that some of the folk here that have lost loved ones have had to go through grief and sadness and sorrow and heartbreak. I'm disappointed that um, some folk that have been struggling with illness haven't improved more this year. Maybe I'm being too honest with you. But week in, week out on a Friday morning, we pray and we pray for people to be given strength, to be set free, to be given greater courage. And sometimes it can be challenging when those challenges don't seem to go away. And I have to make a choice on the first Sunday of January 2020 what I'm going to do with that disappointment. Am I going to allow it to push me away from God? Or am I going to use it as a stepping stone to step toward Him and say, I'm not going to stop asking? 
I'm not going to stop pressing in. I'm not going to stop believing. I'm not going to stop leaning into you and depending on you. No matter how difficult it can be and no matter how disappointing life can sometimes feel, I know that you are good and your love endures forever. So I want to keep stepping towards you. What choice will you make with your disappointments from last year? Where will you put them? The unanswered prayer. The broken promise. The health challenge. The family issue. The financial pressure. What are you going to do with those things? Growth doesn't just mean that everything is great. Sometimes we grow by bringing our disappointments and giving them to God. Bringing our cynicism, bringing our questions, bringing our uncertainties and giving them to God. I think when Paul prayed that you might know more what God's grace is and the depth and the height and the length and the, the, the magnitude of it, he wasn't simply saying that they would be happy. He was praying that in every circumstance of their life, they would discover that God was there. That in every situation, God was there. I think Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3 points to an understanding of Christian victory, which isn't one that says that everything always goes well. But instead, whether it goes well or badly, God is there. And we can grow because God is with us. Here's what I can't, here's what I can't promise you. And you may not like this. I can't promise you a great 2020. I can't promise you a great decade. I can't promise you that everything you want to happen will happen. That's not Christian faith. That's assumption. That's arrogance. That's something, but it's not Christian faith. I cannot promise you that everything will go as you would want it to go in the next two or three years. Christianity isn't a souped up version of positive thinking. Here's what I can promise you. God will never leave you. God will not walk away from you. The sacrifice of his son is always enough. The power of the blood is never diminished. Forgiveness is possible because of what he has done. His spirit lives within his people. He has promised that he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He has told us that as we follow him, he will lead us into spaces and places that we've never, ever dreamt of. I can promise you that. I can promise you that God is with you. I can promise you that God will finish what he's started. I can promise you that God is good. I can promise you that God is faithful. I can promise you that God sees. I can promise you that God knows. I can promise you that God hears. I can promise you that God wants to move in power across the island of Ireland and bring many people to him. I can promise you that. But I can't promise you an easy life. And as a church, as we step into this next decade, and I believe that this is a decade that we're stepping into, not just a year. Here is what I believe the Lord has said to me. It will be the best decade that we've had thus far and probably the hardest. Now we all say hallelujah to the best bit, but maybe not so many hallelujahs to the hardest bit. As we step into this next year and this next decade together. Let me lay out for you some key areas that I think growth is absolutely essential for us. Growth and understanding of God's word is at the center of it all. Growth and encountering him has to be part of where we're going, church. 
We cannot be a hymn prayer sandwich fellowship. We've got to find a way of allowing space for God to speak. For God to come and touch us by the power of his Holy Spirit. These are his meetings, not ours. This is his pulpit, not mine. And somehow, as a church family, we have got to create space, a a moment somehow, as we gather together and in our lives separately, that there can be a sense of expectation that God is going to do something. If we're not careful, we will have slick services that are so professional that we professionalize God out. We don't want that. We need his power. We need his presence to be at work amongst us. I don't say we need his presence. His presence is with us. I often laugh when I hear people saying, Lord, give me more of your presence. I think what you mean is, Lord, make me more aware of your presence. God is always with us. But are we always with him? Are we listening? Are we attentive to what he might want to say and do amongst us? I think also as a church family, in an obvious way, as we step into 2020 and the years that lie ahead, we will be growing physically. Some of the walls at the back of this building will be changed around. The cafe is going to be extended at the end of this service. We will be receiving your offering. It's the first Sunday of the month. It's building Sunday. And we'll be giving to the building project. Don't think, oh, that's just a boring little thing that we do at the end of our gathering. The giving of this little envelope, wherever I've put it, The giving of this little envelope is an act of spiritual commitment by Malcolm Duncan that says, I believe that God is in this. I believe that we need to create space for women and men to encounter Jesus Christ in this place and that we have a responsibility together to do that. But having a bigger building that will seat 630 or 640 people isn't the be-all and end-all of growth. How many buildings could I take you to across Belfast this morning that have seven, eight, nine hundred seats and 700 of them are empty? What we want is to be a community that is not only growing physically, but is growing and encounter, growing in significance and impact and influence. Growing in the way we impact our communities, growing in the way that we impact our city, in the way we impact our nation, in the way we impact this island. We want to be a fellowship that will grow in the sense of hearing and responding to the leadership of God's voice. Some of you who have been part of our church family for a while will know that um, last July, not this July, but the July before, we had an, uh, uh, no, it was last July, we had an away day. And when we returned to the church family here, we said, we sense that God is asking us to plant the church by the end of 2020. We still do. We sense that he wants us to begin a program that will help people that want to explore church planting. We still do. We want to grow in our impact in Dundonald and Belfast, in our social concern and our activity for serving the poor, the broken, the excluded and the vulnerable. We still do. Our growth isn't just about a physical building. It's a growth about influence and voice and significance and contribution and connection. We also want to grow in our discipleship. I'm becoming increasingly challenged by how we disciple four or five or six hundred people. How do we create community across five hundred or so people? 
How do you create a sense of connectedness across a church that is getting bigger and bigger and bigger so that you don't come in and say, gosh, I don't know anybody here. I wonder how many of you, when you come on a Sunday morning, at some point before the end of the week, say to somebody near you, you know what, I don't know anybody in our church anymore. We need to find ways of creating uh, spaces for people to grow in relationship. Maybe I'm the only person that uh, feels this, but sometimes I don't, I don't want to have uh, 500 relationships that are half an inch deep. I want a, a relationship with somebody who knows the names of my children, who will pick up the phone and say, how can I pray for you today? Who'll be interested in the small and significant aspects of my life. We need to grow in our relationships. What would happen if for the next six weeks, each of us chose to speak to somebody that we'd never met before? If in that moment, at the beginning of the service, when I say, go and say hello to somebody, we actually did it. We moved around and we went and found somebody that we'd never met before. We said, hi, I'm Malcolm. I've been coming to Dundonald now for um, about 18, nearly two years, 18 months, coming on to two years. You probably know my name, so it's maybe a bit futile. But what's your name? Where do you come from? Are you coming regularly? Now, you're going to have to allow for the fact that some people might say to you, I've been coming for 30 years. (laughs) (laughs) And that might be because you've forgotten them or you've never spoken to them. But what if just for the next six weeks, you took it upon yourself to talk to one person? That would create a growth in cementing relationships. What if, instead of sitting where you always sit, I don't mean the old-fashioned thing, but at the end of the service, you moved. You went and spoke to somebody. What if you guys, as young people, went and spoke to somebody else? What if the young people's leadership team moved from the front row and talked to other people? What if you guys that are older in the church came and spoke to the folk here at the front? What if we moved around the building a little bit and just got a little bit more open to one another? What could God do with that? And I think we also need to grow in our sense of expectation. What are you asking God to do in 2020? Whether that be in Crown Jesus Ministries or in sports chaplaincy or in business or in education. What are you asking God to do? As you look to this year, is it same old, same old? Or is there possibly an area in your life where God could do something new. I don't mean setting the world alight new. I don't mean something that will be written about in newspapers. I mean, how could you allow God to enable you to be a better member of a board this year? How might you carve out a morning every now and again on a Saturday if you're not working where you can go for a walk and think? How might those of you that are mums and dads of young children or grandparents create space in 2020 so that you can educate your children in the ways of God? You can sit down with them and teach them how to pray. Not leaving it to Pastor Davy and the 412 team or to the BB or to the GB or to the Link. 
but taking seriously our own responsibilities for our own families. How might I grow as a husband this year? How might I give my wife more time? How might I listen more closely? I'm 50 in October. What am I going to do to celebrate that? I have no idea, but I'm definitely going to celebrate it. And in this 50th year, I want it to be like a year of jubilee for me. I want to work out ways that I can do things that I've never done before. And you know, honestly, I, every decade of my life has been better than the decade before it. So if that is true, I can't wait to be 50. Honestly, every decade of my life has been better than the decade before it. I am happier now than I have ever been in my life. But I think that this year for us of growth will be a year of challenge. We're going to need to grow our leadership team. I'll be talking to you about that toward the end of the month. We're going to need to grow how we listen to one another. We're going to need to grow around those things that are absolutely fundamental and non-negotiable for us as a church. And how we allow space and time to listen to people with whom we disagree. And not fall out. We're going to have to work out how we engage more effectively in our world. And more people will come to our church. More people will become Christians in our church. More people will be baptized in our church. More people will be uh, in need of discipleship in our church. And that means that you and I will have to make room for them. When I was asking the Lord to speak to me about a key word for this year, I was playing around with two different ideas. And I think in the end, perhaps they mean the same thing. They're just said differently. One was growth, and the other was make room. We're making room by knocking out a couple of walls, extending a cafe and putting in offices. How do you make room in your life for someone? How do you make room at your kitchen table for someone? How do you make room in your conversation for someone? How do we make room in our church for new gifts, new ideas, new talent, new possibilities? How do we try new things? How do we explore new things? How do we get a bit of the pizzazz into our lives again with that excitement of, do you know what, let's try. If we try and it doesn't work, at least we've tried. But if we don't try because we're always afraid, then we're going to end up very dry. How might you make room in your life for God, for others, and for serving him this year? In the end, whether we choose the word growth or making room, it comes down to the same thing. I want to give you a key verse for the year. As a church family, that we will return to again and again, we're going to have it printed and put on things so that you can put it on your fridge or on your computer screen or in your car. You can hang it from windows. You'll do a whole load of things with it. You'll see it again and again. It's actually two verses. I invite you to remember it. I invite you to memorize it. I invite you, if you're a BB captain or a GB captain, 
to get the BB and GB to think about how they might learn this verse and how they might incorporate it into their presentations at the end of the year. 4.12, I invite you to think about this verse to allow it to dig into your teaching and preaching program, Davey. Um, the link, uh, wherever you might be, Duke of Edinburgh, how can this verse shape us? Leaders of ministries right across the place, how can these two verses shape us? They're very simple. As a mum, how can it shape you? As a dad, as a worship leader, as a worship team, whoever you might be, wherever you might be, whatever your role might be, let's spend 2020 asking God to show us as individuals and churches what it would mean to put God in such a central place that these words become the lifeblood of us. Now to him, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21 now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. How might we be a church that is so focused on Jesus that we want all the glory to go to him, all the honor to go to him? And how might we grow in our expectation of him? How might we grow in our convictions about him? How might we grow to believe that God's power can break in every time we gather? That his power can interrupt our daily lives. That his power can shape our fathering, our mothering, our aunting, our uncling, our leading, our managing. Everything we are and everything we do. I think the road ahead will be challenging, but I think it will be exciting. I wonder what we will say in the first Sunday of January 2021, as we look back, some of you will say, I'm married. Some of you might say, I've become a parent or a grandparent. Some of us might look back and realize that we lost someone that we loved this year. It's a sobering thought to think back to the first Sunday in January 2019 and those people that were in our lives whom the Lord has taken home. This might be your last January. What are you going to do with it? Make it count. Make your life count. Make your decisions count. Make your parenting count. Make your relationships count. Make your marriage count. Some of you are searching for a perfect church. Waiting to be involved. Waiting to roll up your sleeves. Waiting to, get in, to, to throw your lot in. And actually you are fooling yourself. Because you, in the name of spirituality, you're chasing friendships and friends that have moved from one place to another. And God is saying to you about your life this year, if you're not careful, you will spend your life running after somebody else's spirituality instead of putting your roots down and allowing God to do something in you. I'm honestly convinced that this morning he is speaking to a whole range of people about a whole range of different issues. Asking you to be rooted in him, rooted in his word, rooted in the work of his spirit. And for those of you that are part of this church family, rooted here. Rooted in community and in life together. And see 
what God can do with that.